Good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. It is Tuesday. Actually, it's Sunday, but you're going to hear this on Tuesday. It's Tuesdays with Tata. We are back. He's been in Texas for a few weeks, and we had, I think, probably my favorite episode of Tuesdays with Tata ever. This is the 87th new episode of Tuesdays with Tata, and it is a barn burner. Get yourself a Bible. Go to Judges chapter 6 and 7. We're going to talk about Gideon today and what we can learn about self-brain surgery and how Gideon changed his mind. There's all kinds of interesting stuff in here about brain science related to how we think of ourselves versus how God God thinks of us and why we tend, even when God comes out and tells us who he thinks we are, to still believe the things that we've accepted about ourselves. Tata gives us some great insight into Gideon, and this this story from Judges is just a great example of self-brain surgery in the Bible because you can't change your life until you change your mind. And that means, my friend, that there's only one question. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. Are you ready to change your life? Well, this is the place, Self-Brain Surgery School. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and this is where we go deep into how we're wired, take control of our thinking, and find real hope. This is where we learn to become healthier, feel better, and be happier. This is where we leave the past behind and transform our minds. This is where we start today. Are you ready? This is your podcast. This is your place. This is your time, my friend. Let's get after it. Friend, we're back. It's Sunday afternoon out here on the river on an incredibly windy day. And I am sitting here with my main man, Tata, because it's Tuesdays with Tata. Welcome back, Dad. Thank you. Good to be here with you. Had a little journey to Texas, didn't we? We did, yes. And it's, uh, it's getting to be uh, unusually tiring going down there because it's been, the heat has been so extreme. It has been a <laughs> no really, really hot and dry summer. We're praying for rain for all those folks that need it, including the farmers here in Nebraska and and uh, well, we had a little bit of trauma while you were gone, didn't we, Dad? We did. We did. We uh, we lost our boys, Harvey and Lewis. I, I'm sure you've heard us talk about that by now, friend. But it was three Sundays ago today that Harvey and Lewis were killed in a, a one last epic battle with the coyotes. I heard. Yes. Well, and here and I'm I'm staring because I'm staring out the riverbank because about this time of day they would be running up and down the riverbank. Yeah. Checking. Yep, and inevitably they would want to come in or go out a few times during yeah, yeah, recording this yeah, episode. So, yeah, yes. so we're thinking of them today, and we're so grateful. We you can't even imagine how many cards and flower bouquets and emails we got. Um, we're so grateful for all of you who expressed your concern and, and love for Harvey and Lewis and, and for being aware of our time of it really feels like grief, doesn't it? It's, it's it does. Funny. Yes, yes. I, that, that's that's what that's been my prayer to be with us in this time of grief. I never really understood that because growing up we had outside dogs. We weren't really a, a dog family, and we had outside dogs. And of course, you you cared about them, but they weren't really part of your family. Yeah, right. And either Lisa and I both really never had pets that were inside dogs until Harvey and Lewis and. We had one dog earlier in our marriage that was, you remember Piggy, yeah. the, the obese pug. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Piggy was uh, older and sicker when we got him, and so it wasn't like he grew up with us. And, and so Harvey and Lewis really were um, 
They were part of the family, weren't they, Dad? Absolutely. Yeah, they, they were like almost like children. Yeah, they acted like children. <laughs> yeah, so they did. Yes. Or people with head injuries, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> they, they had their own personalities. Well, it, it's it, but but the, someone said it a long time ago, and I and and that's that's where I've been living. Thanks for the memories. Absolutely. Been so the memories have been so good, and I, I'm I'm sitting here looking across the room, and first thing I see is a is an orange ball. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't been able to to make ourselves get rid of all of their toys and Chris Lewis was Harvey would, would want to go grab a, the biggest stick he could find and run around the yard with it Lewis always had a ball and he's got him I'm sure we'll find them buried yeah. for the rest of our lives out here we'll find buried toys and oh, sticks <laughs> I, I'm, I'm certain of that yeah anyway well we just wanted to, to have a moment to reminisce with you because they were such a big part of Tuesdays with Tata and uh, we know that you care, and we just wanted to kind of close that loop with you today since it's been a little bit since Dad was on the show here with us, and he's back, and we're after it, and what are we going to talk about today, Tom? Uh, well, we'll talk about what happened to Gideon in Judges 6. That's a good story. Uh, but but to understand what was going on, uh, it, it, profound, it is profound, profounding to think about it. As you open the chapter, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of God. Yeah. And he gave them over to the hand of the Midian, Midianites yep. for seven years. And it was, it was so bad that uh, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people from the east, they were so numerous you couldn't count them. Yeah. And, and, and they would come er, uh, during planting time and take everything that the, the, the people of Israel had. And they were so bad that they, some of the children of Israel were li- living in caves and living in dens, and living in, in the high places in the mountains, just to escape. And that, that's where, they, and it was so horrible for them that they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent a prophet. Yeah. And that prophet's not named, but the prophet recounted to the, the, to, to the people what the Lord had done, that he had rescued them from Egypt, rescued them from slavery, and brought them to a land and defeated their enemies. But they, and, but they would not hear of it. That, that, that is so stunning to think about. The prophet said, but you have not obeyed my voice. Hmm. And that's what, that's what the, the prophet told the people, speaking, because, speaking for God. The, remember that prophets were a mouthpiece of God yeah. because they, they started out, thus saith the Lord. Yeah. This is what God is saying. And they, but they would have none of it and they would not obey him. And so we find the place, first place we find Gideon, he's threshing wheat and he's in a wine press. He's hiding. Yes. So that they don't steal the food. Yeah. He, because they would, that's one of the things that they would do. Because they said, one of the, one of the, in the account that said that the camels and the animals that, that belonged to the Midianites and the Amalekites, and, and I don't know who the people were from the east, but they were so numerous they couldn't be counted. Yeah. You could not see the end of them. And so they came and took everything. There was absolutely nothing in the country. Wow. They took all of the produce. They took all of the, wild, all the stock. They took all the cows. They took all the donkeys. Took all the goats, sheep, and everything. Wow. And, uh, and they had left the people destitute. And that, that's, what's so, that's what's so strange that 
and, and when God heard them, when they cried out to him, they, he sent them a prophet, and the prophet recounted what they had done, but they still would not repent and obey. Yeah. Even though they were being treated. Does it, and does that sound familiar? It does. Does that sound, which sounds like us, maybe us? Yeah, it's the same story over and over. Like we, we cry out because things are bad, and when we find out what God expects, we keep crying out, but don't change. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We we just keep doing the same old thing, and so the, and, and what, what another thing that that is so profound to think about is that that the angel of the, the Lord said to Gideon, "The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor." Yep. The Lord is with you. But Gideon made a lot of excuses yep. why he couldn't go and why he was, all he wanted to know was, what was, what was that, why was this happening to them? Why were they being punished? And so, and do you think about that as well? May, and I don't know, maybe it was legitimate. Maybe in his ignorance he did not know. Maybe he had not received that information. So maybe it was totally out of his awareness. And he, he, he starts out by telling that his clan is the smallest one in, in Israel. That's right. And he's, he is the most meaningless person in his household. That's right. I think there's an important point here not to miss. that, And, and we've been talking about it a lot on the podcast lately, about the understanding the way our brains will lie to us and, and label us. And we've, we've absorbed and accepted things that other people have told us. But it's interesting that the angel tells Gideon how God sees him Right off the bat. That's he, right. he shows up and says, the Lord is with you, O mighty warrior, man of valor. And then even that, I would imagine that if an angel showed up and told you who you were, yes. yeah. it, should stick. it should stick, but yeah. it doesn't. And Gideon's so trapped in his own mindset that he says, pardon me, my Lord. This is verse 15. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Yeah, that's right. right. So I'm unimportant. He has accepted a label. It's it's just like when Moses made all those excuses about when God was telling him, you're going to go save your people. And he said, how can I stutter? Yeah, yeah. I I stutter. He didn't want to go back. He was fearful. Yeah. And then, then the angel went on and, and said to Gideon, and the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Did, did I not send you? And so the, the Lord is still being tolerant with him, even, even as Gideon is objecting. But Gideon finally is beginning to make amends. He's beginning to understand maybe. Because he goes and prepares a, a special meal. He, he, he's, he has, fixes a meal of, of meat and bread and and broth, and he put the broth in a pot, and he took it to the angel of the Lord and, said, and, and offered the gift to him. And the angel of the Lord said, here, put this meat and the bread on the rock and pour the broth over it. And then the Lord set the rock on fire. Yeah, even though it was wet. Yeah. That was one of his favorite tricks in the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and soak that offering in oil and yeah. burn it up anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Keep putting water on it until there's yeah. nothing left. But anyway, the, this this conversation keeps going on, and the, and, the, and, the, and the Lord gives the angel of the Lord gives Gideon another assignment, tells him to go take his father's uh, uh, oxen, two of them, and pull down the the altar of Baal, yeah. and the, and the pole of Ephraim that was there, and offer the second bull. Yeah. But even then. Ne- 
Yeah, he took some, and, and I can imagine, I can, you look at this picture just a minute. He did it at night. Yeah. Now, he took 10 men with him, though. There's, a, there's, a, there's another understory here that's important. If, you, if you're not familiar, the Asherah pole and the altar of Baal were being managed by Gideon's father. Yes. And what that means is, so they were people who were supposed to worship the Lord, but they had accepted and began to mingle with the... This is important. So, so the, the people had begun to mingle with foreign gods and, all, and idol worship, and probably as a, as a business... Gideon's father was the guy in town who was in charge of of the idol worship temple. And the Asherah pole was not just some altar. It was where they had all kinds of pagan sacrifices and there was some sexual connotation to it. This was an evil empire that probably was important financially to his family and may have been a source of embarrassment to some of his family as well, because it would have been like, oh, Gideon's the guy whose dad runs the, the, the brothel temple over there. You know, So it's interesting that God said to, to Gideon, not only do I want you to go and save your people, but I also want you to fully commit. Because I would imagine that taking two of your dad's bulls and tearing up your dad's place of business was sort of an all-in moment. For oh, him. yes, like, absolutely. There's no going back from that. Like, no. Well, and, and, and but that... As that story continues, though, you see that the, Gideon's father somewhat redeemed himself. It's amazing that to, it, amazing to read that because the next morning, the people in the in the in the, in the village there in the city they saw that the, the altar had been destroyed, and 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 the sacrifice had been made on it, and they went to they after they searched and found out that it was Gideon, they went to Gideon's father. That's right. And, and they wanted to take, they wanted Gideon so they could kill him. And Gideon's father said, well, if Baal has problems, let Baal speak. Let Baal take care of his altar. That's right. And nothing happened. And that's the end of that story. That, that's, what, that's what was so amazing to me is because that was a huge event. Yeah. Now, one, Gideon has already been told by the angel of the Lord that he is a mighty man of valor and that he is with him and he's going to lead him to save Israel. Yeah. That's, that's huge. It's incredible. But then even after all this has happened, Gideon still wants a sign. That's right. He's still not fully convinced no, that he, God's really going to do it. Apparently not. because the, And then that's when he, he talks about the fleece. And if memory serves me correct, the first... The first test is the fleece being laid on the ground, and that the the ground the dew would be on the ground, not on the fleece, or no, on the fleece. On the fleece and on, not on the ground. Not on the first ground. test, yeah. And then the next test would be the the fleece would be on the ground, but the the ground would be had dew on it, but the fleece was dry. That's right. And so then Gideon became convinced. Why? What did? Why did it take so long? To convince him, because of human frailty and fear, and maybe stories I, I, I totally think that's that's my only conclusion. But it also it also points to me points for, points out for me that God is willing when He decides He's going to use somebody, He's going to use them. That's right. He's going to use them to do His work, and He's patient with us. He is. And the question, though, remains, are we patient with ourselves? That's right. And do we 
believe the lies that we've accepted about ourselves more than we believe God's words for our lives. Uh, absolutely. And how often is the outcome that we're getting because we're listening to other people or our own experience or our own fear and not God's voice? So what that says to me, there's hope for all of us. There is. There's hope. God is patient and kind, and He sees you more clearly than you could ever see yourself. And even when you don't get it, He's willing to give you a little time to come to it. That's, that's right. And so then apparently, Gideon, uh, after he finally, he finally accepts it, or he's, he has an aha moment, and said, okay, this is God. This is God talking to me. I better pay attention. So he assembles an army. And I'm trying to, think, I'm trying to remember, that army was very large. Um, and, but uh, God said, the angel of the Lord said to him, you can't take this army and go and defeat them because the children of Israel said, look what we did. That's right. You have too many. You have too many. And so the angel of the Lord said again, okay, tell, tell those that are fearful to go home. And, and 20,000, 22,000 of them did. That's right. And so that left 10,000. But now, now listen to this, though. The Lord is still talking to Gideon. The Lord. Yeah. So and my, and the angel of the Lord, and, and, and what I understand that to be is that's Jesus talking to him. Yeah. Now, was God talking to him as well? I don't know. But anyway, the angel of the Lord said, you still have too many. He had about 10,000 men left. Yeah. So that's when he, he said, let them go down and drink out of the, out of the stream. Yeah. And, and the ones, and I'll tell you who can stay and who, can, who has to go. Yeah. And so he got, finally got down to 300. As opposed to the, the large army. 20,000. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And he gave, and Gideon gave them. Now, now think of think how Gideon has changed in all of this when he finally got it. He gave the men the pots and the torches yeah. and the bugles. Yeah. He, gave, he did that. God provided, and he, and he worked with God to, to accomplish that mission. That's right. But he was still fearful to, to attack them. And so, and so the angel of the Lord, no doubt, knew his heart, said, well, if you're still fearful, take your servant and go down to the camp and listen in. And so Gideon did. And apparently this was about the middle of the night. Yeah. And he heard two men talking. Yeah. And one had had a dream, and the other one was explaining it. And the other, one of the men that explained the dream used Gideon's name and called Gideon the man of God. Yeah. So look how this has all changed. Yeah. Once Gideon said, okay, I get it. He, he followed God's instructions and he did what Jesus said to do, to do. And then all of a sudden he became, he became important in that whole process. Yeah. He accepted the mission. He's accepted his assignment. Yeah, that's right. He's he's finally agreeing with God about who he is. Yeah, that's right. That, and all of a sudden he's finding success. That's right. And and as we sit here at this point in time and we say that 
what, I would, how long did it take getting to come to this conclusion? I would have, I would have arrived at that conclusion much earlier. Yeah. But would I? Would I? It's easy for to say sitting here that we would. That's right. But would we? We see throughout the whole Bible people not stepping up to the assignment when it's, even oh. when it's crystal clear. Yeah. Well, look, look what he's look what he was facing. Yeah, the, the the enemy could not be counted. That's right, and he's going to go with three hundred guys, yeah, yeah. with bugles, yeah, and, bugles and, and bowls and pots and, yeah. pots and torches and yeah. torches. Yeah, mm. it's a daunting, it's a daunting thing. But the the question for us, I guess, is we have a we have a whole Bible full of examples of the fact that when God's on your side, Paul said it plain in Romans. God is for us. Who can be against us? That's right. God tells you who you are. In fact, if you have any doubt of what God thinks about you, he died for you. He stretched himself out and allowed himself to be sacrificed for your sins and my sins. And that ought to tell us how he values us and what he thinks of us. And so when he puts a label on you that's better than the one that you put on yourself, why don't we accept it? And, and, and I often, I've thought about that so many times. And you mentioned Moses, uh, and he's the first one. He sees a bush that's burning, but is not consumed. And he has a voice comes out of the bush. Take your yeah. shoes off, man. You're standing on holy ground. Yeah. First thing. That's right. But then he, he wants to give, he, gives, he goes through that whole litany of, of all those excuses of why he can't do what God is wanting him to do. But. So the question that I have about all of it, all of this, and all of that, that whole scenario, both sides of everything we looked at, what does this, this say about God? I know I, I get what it says about us. When God picks us, we better go. That's right. But what does it say at the end of the day? What does it really say about God? He is patient, and He is long suffering. Yeah. What does that look like? Patient and long-suffering, and he is merciful with us. That's right. That's his general character. Even Jesus, when he described himself, he said, I am gentle and lowly in heart. The the Old Testament says, I am patient and full of compassion. Yes. And we have this modern idea that he's tempestuous and judge and wants to smite us and all that but that's not who he is yeah well and 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 probably uh some of that is that's in our culture too that if we don't do what god says he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna hit us he's gonna hammer us uh he's gonna do something to us that, that that because we're rebellious but the examples that God gives us throughout the Old Testament, and recall the purpose of all of those examples was to show how God treated His people. Yep. How God dealt with His people. Mm-hmm. And remembering that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, that means yeah. that's still how He deals yeah. with His people. See, today. And, 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 and probably uh, that's the part of it that's almost incomprehensible. We can't, we cannot understand that. We, and I don't know, I, was, I don't know if it's a, a problem of understanding or acceptance. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's both. 
but I think it I think it waited on the side of acceptance. That we just can't we, we can't really believe it. And so we don't accept it. Yeah. The children of Israel they would go along as long as things were just fine and they were they would worship God. They would call on God's name. Yeah. But when things didn't go well, they they went right back to sin. They started worshiping idols. Yeah. And even God himself told Moses once that these people are stiff-necked and uncircumcised and they're hard-headed and, and I'm going to just kill them all. Yeah. And Moses, Moses talked him out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and, and uh, that, well, it said the original translation of the Hebrew word is that when, when Moses pleaded the case for the children of Israel, that it softened God's face. That's right. Now, I don't, how do they know that? Because no one's ever seen God's face. That's right. Well, anyway, it's full of all kinds of questions. Absolutely. And it's a mystery. It is. But all we have to do is say yes. That's right. It's interesting that God could, uh, you always wonder why God didn't just smite the Midianites, or why he didn't strike them down, and why he even makes us fight these battles, right? Because he could do it without the war having to take place. And he, and he specifically wants Gideon to take an army that's of insufficient size for the task. And without, without the armament. Right, so that means that he wants it to be obvious that he that they're winning because he's on their side and because he's allowing them to win. And I'm reading a book now by Ben Stewart called Rest and War, and he made this point about how we wonder, we keep asking God why there's so much struggle and why there's so much pain and why we have to keep fighting and why we're tired of being so tired. And he says, have you ever watched one of those war movies like Saving Private Ryan and Notice there's there's two kinds of people on the battlefield. There's people who seem calm and not stressed. They're staying still. They're not they're not overly taxed for the moment. And then there's people that seem running and straining and stressing and fighting. And the difference between those two is that the calm people are dead. <laughs> Everybody else is is acting like they're under stress because they're still in the fight, but they're alive. That's right. And God has said, this battle that we're in, this, this battle against spiritual forces that's going to end someday when I say it's time to end, you're in it, and I'm equipping you for it. And that's so the right. question isn't, why do I have to keep fighting? The question is, thank you that I'm still in the fight. That's right. And that's, that's really what Gideon was, the, the situation here. Like, God could have won that battle for them without there even having to be a battle. That's right. But instead, he puts his soldiers in the battle and makes Gideon understand exactly who he is, because sometimes our fight is what helps us understand who we are. That's right. Well, and also the struggle is who, us asking ourselves who we are. That's right. Trying to understand who we are. Yeah, the proverb says, if you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, and, and what was, what's amazing, too, is that Gideon really didn't even have to fight him. Those guys killed themselves. That's right. They slaughtered each other. And then, then Gideon chased them. And then he sent a call to all the other Israelites, and they joined him in the, in the battle. That's right. When he was winning. That's right. And they wanted, to make him, they wanted to make him a king, and he wouldn't do it. That's right. And what so sad, after his life ended, what did the children of Israel start doing? <laughs> Same thing that they were always doing. Yeah. Worshiping idols over and refusing and to obey God. That's right. 
It's a it's a long story. The Old Testament is a long story that should teach us that people never really change. That's right. Unless they let Jesus change that's, them. That's right. And and that's why when whenever when I read when I read, read the Bible, I ask God to speak to me and help me understand, make it clear to me, so that I can understand it. That's right. And so when when you look at this and you put yourself in that situation. I try to put myself in Gideon's shoes. What would I do? That's right. I mean, it's, I could, I could, I can say that I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. That I would obey. Yeah. But would you? I mean, that's you know, we we always think that we would do better than the people in the stories. But I think that's one of the reasons that there are so many different stories. That's right. Well, look, that, look, look where we find Gideon to begin with. That's right. In a wine press. Hiding out. Winnowing out. wheat. So, it would, so the millionites wouldn't steal it from him. Exactly. And you know, they, I, think, I think this is a, a good moment to stop and say how valuable Bible study is. There was a, I think we talked about it once before, but the George Barna organization does a survey every year of, of people's attitudes and beliefs and their, how much they read the Bible and all of that. And, and last year... Of people who identified as what what he called Bible believing Christians, so yes. they believe the Bible is real. Yes. Of people in America who believe the Bible is real and attend church frequently, only eight percent of them read the Bible on a weekly basis. Eight yeah. percent, which means that we are not biblically literate. And here's no. the problem with that: if you don't read the Bible for yourself then all you know of it is what people tell you it That's is. Right. That's right. And that means you've robbed yourself of the primary source of your knowledge and power of who you are in Christ and right. who He is. Right. And you can begin then to accept culture ideas, cultural ideas about who God is. Right. And then you can start basically believing a whole lot of things that aren't actually true. That's right. If you don't know the story. That's, That's right, why it's so immensely valuable. Go back into the Old Testament friend and read Judges 6 and 7 and learn about Gideon and see yourself in the story and put yourself... Richard Foster did that beautiful thing I learned from him when we had him on the show and he said when you read something imagine yourself as one of the characters in mm-hmm. the story and, and, and look at it from different ways like you were playing different parts and let that scripture speak to you what would I do like you just said if I was Gideon what would I do if I were the Midianites yeah. but what would I do if I was Gideon's dad or those people that saw the Asherah pole being yeah. torn down put yourself in the story and read it enough times that it becomes second nature to you to understand what God really did there that's right and, and th- because read, understanding and reading this book right here this is God talking to us that's right and when we pray, it's us talking to God. That's right. So we do, we're able to talk with Him. That's right. Yeah, I just read Pete Grieg's book, and he's going to be on the show in December, by the way. Pete Grieg's book, uh, Hearing God, a Simple Guide for Normal People. So his, his whole premise is how do we hear God? And people, everybody wants God to show up and speak to Him. That's right. You know, in the cloud and in the fire. And he says the most, the most, uh, simple way, the most the most consistent way to hear God is to read His Word. That's right. Because Jesus sounds, Jesus is what God sounds like. That's right. Oh yeah, and and that and that it's for us. <clears throat> we we are. And it was Elijah, and remember, and he was standing, and God told him to stand on the mountain and won't pass by. Yeah. And he came and, a, and had a storm. Mm-hmm. It was so violent that the rocks were broken. Yeah. How, you can you imagine the noise level? Mm-hmm. 
And then there was a fire. Yeah, and an earthquake. And then, but God is not in any of those. Mm-hmm. And then a small, still voice came. Yep, and that's where he was. That's right. He's a gentleman. And that's why, honestly, we talk a lot about prayer and meditation, and we talk about getting your mind under control and, and all of that. And, and the primary difference between Eastern metaphysical self-help meditation that everybody's so so hot on today and biblical meditation. The primary difference is Eastern meditation is about calming your mind so you don't hear anything. And biblical meditation is about calming your mind so you can hear God. That's right. And and think about think about what happened. Uh, Gideon starts out and God the angel of the Lord is talking to him and telling him who he is. Yep. And, he, and Gideon is telling the angel of the Lord, well, I am not. That's right. But at the end of the day, what happens to Gideon? He becomes who God said he was. That's right. He became a hero. That's right. And, and he, he obeyed. Yeah. And that's the difference. That's right. So maybe that's the part that God is after. Yeah. The obedience. Yeah. God has a a better story about your life than you do. He has a better label for you than you do. He has a better outcome planned for you than you do. And your only job is to say yes. That's right. That's all you have to do. That's our only task. That's right. Say yes. And because God, God himself said, I am with you. I will be with you. That's right. And 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 what and then what's what's amazing also is that the angel of the Lord said to, to uh, uh, Gideon, "Didn't I tell you that I am with you?" Yep. Didn't I tell you? Yeah. Mm. God has already told us. That's right. Not only that, God has showed us. Yep. He has demonstrated His love for us. He, because he's the, that's the, it's the fulfillment of John three sixteen. That's right. Where God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son. Sent Him. That's right. And Jesus died. and came came and through His death on the cross, God brought us back that's from right. sin when we had no hope. That's right. We've been redeemed. That's right. I got a couple of. Uh, things from the prayer wall that I think would be a good time to pivot to because we're talking about the hopelessness that you can feel when you don't believe that God is for you and the hope found in Gideon's story to, to learn that he is for us. That's right. He's for us and he has a plan for you. He's got a story for you. He's got a label, a name for you that's better than the one that you've accepted. Listen to some of these prayers, Tata. This one's anonymous. Please pray for me. I know God has a good plan for my life. I look back and see all the ways He has rescued me in the past. That's yeah. the that's the memory part of hope. Yeah. But, she says, or he or she, but I'm having a hard time trusting that He will do it again. <laughs> yeah. I feel unworthy and less resilient than I was in the past. I need hope. This one says, My family is torn apart by my son's alcoholism. Please pray for healing and the Holy Spirit's guidance in this situation. This one says, prayers please for my son who is having many difficulties. His marriage is a mess. He's controlling, mentally, and emotionally abusive to his wife and children. He and his wife are Christians. They attend church. Pray that he receives serious divine intervention, conviction, and counseling. Mm. 
This one, uh, prayer for physical healing for Kevin from ulcerative colitis. He's in medical school and he's struggling with this physical disease. Mm. Then Nicole, dealing with a financial nightmare that I have been battling for years. I've tried every avenue I can think of with no relief. I've prayed and done what I can spiritually, but the toll has been great. And I'm not even sure I have any form of belief in anything mm-hmm. anymore. Any prayers are appreciated, even though I'm not confident he will ever be willing to assist me. This is just, this is heavy. This is hard stuff. Ta-ta. And the, the, the people need hope. And so maybe it would be time, um, maybe it would be time to pray for these folks and then just kind of lead us in. How, how can we, Ta-ta, how can we learn to believe what God has to say about us, to believe that he really can do and will do what he says he mm-hmm. wants to do for us? Well, I heard I heard one person say, "I I, I cannot tr- I can't trust what I don't, I don't tr- think I can trust that God will do it again, and I don't have hope that He will." Yeah, and maybe that's a that's a problem. Mm-hmm. When when they because they see clearly what God has done in their lives. Yeah, but they don't have hope or trust. That's right. That God's going to do it again. That's right. And that's a sad that's a sad circumstance. It is. That's a hard place to be. It is a hard place to because be. Because it leaves you with no hope. That's right. So let's pray for that. Absolutely. That pivot out of hopelessness and towards hope. Here Absolutely. Us. Pray for us, Tata. Oh, Father, we, we thank you for this day that you have made, and we rejoice in it. We are so thankful that you have blessed us. Amen. We are thankful for all of our blessings. Father, we're thankful for our food, clothing, and shelter. We're blessed in abundance. We have more than we need. We are blessed and highly favored. We are blessed beyond measure. Amen. Thank you for being mindful of us, watching over us, protecting us from harm, especially the little ones. Thank you, Father. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for loving us. Oh, and Father, please forgive us of our sins and hear our prayer. Father, we, we look at the, some of the people that have, have made, have written prayer requests and that are on a prayer wall and they are so they're struggling in such hard places, and Father, we ask you to bless them with strength. We ask you to bless them with endurance. We ask you to bless them with peace, and bless them with mercy. Help them, Father. Make a way for them. And some of them have already, by their own admission, given up. They've lost all hope. Restore that. Renew that. You, you can do that. We know that you can do that. Yeah. We trust you. With, we have confidence in you. And we ask you to demonstrate your mighty power in our presence for your glory, not ours. Thank you for all of, all, of the, all of the people that are praying for all of these people. We ask you to bless them as well. Father, for these that are struggling and that have lost hope and lost trust and no longer think that you're able or willing to help them in their situation, we demonstrate to them that you can and you will and you do help them, Father. Bless them. But Father, we, we, wait, we wait on you because we, we, we have no place left to go, Father. We, wait, we trust in you. We have confidence in you. And it's so easy for us sometimes to say, well, this is what I would do or what I wouldn't do. And we don't know that. We know that we, we hear from Satan Every moment that our eyes are open, and every moment that we have breath, and we know that if we rebuke him in Jesus' name, that he will flee from us. Yes. And we do, and we do that. 
So, Father, we pray that you would bless all of us with, with trust in you and confidence in you and, and, and hope in you. You are our salvation. You are, you are the only place that we can go. And so we ask you to come now. Please come now and bless us. We ask you in, sweet, in the sweet and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, your Son and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tata. This story of Gideon in Judges 6 and 7 is, is a great example of the kind of self-brain surgery that we're talking about on the podcast all the time here. This idea that, that God had an identity that he thought of when he thought of Gideon. Yeah. Deliverer, That's warrior, right. Right. mighty man of valor, somebody who's going to rescue his people, somebody who can stand up to his dad, somebody who can fight yeah. back against idolatry. That's yeah. what God saw when he looked at Gideon. Gideon was living in a, in a narrative that he was small yeah. and weak yeah. and wasn't much of anything to be looked yeah. at or yeah. accounted for, that he couldn't, didn't have ability or didn't have skill, and so much so that he was hiding in a wine press to just try to find something to eat. Yeah make something to eat that wouldn't be stolen by the by the pillaging army. So I think it's a perfect example that before Gideon could become who God knew he was, he had to change his mind. That's right. And he did it by accepting God's story for his life instead of his own. But th- that did not did not preclude Gideon from trying the Lord. No. And it did not preclude the Lord letting him do it. That's right. And that's incredibly important, friend. Like you have to you have to come to the place where you can see yourself through God's eyes, but the path to that place can often involve several steps. Really, God? Yeah. Are you yeah. sure, God? Yeah. Can can you give me some proof, God? Give me a sign, God. And this story, you're right. It's it's such a kind, patient example of God's character of how he doesn't give up on us and he doesn't get frustrated with us and he gives us time and space to become who he knows we are. That's right. It's a beautiful story. Thank you for taking us through it today, Tata. Well, it's uh, it's, it's something that and I feel I feel inadequate to even explain it because I've I don't know how many times I've read it and studied it and I still don't get all of it. Yeah. There's so many nuances and so many little working pieces to the to the whole narrative. Amen. Friend, go spend some time in it this week. It's a it's a great place to say, how can I change my mind to see myself like God sees That's me? Right. And if we're gonna do that, Tata, when should we start? We start today. Hey, thanks for listening. The Dr. Lee Warren Podcast is brought to you by my brand new book, Hope is the First Dose. It's a treatment plan for recovering from trauma, tragedy, and other massive things. It's available everywhere books are sold. And I narrated the audio book if you're not already tired of hearing my voice. Hey, the theme music for the show is Get Up by my friend Tommy Walker, available for free at TommyWalkerMinistries.org. They are supplying worship resources for worshipers all over the world to worship the Most High God. And if you're interested in learning more, check out TommyWalkerMinistries.org. If you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at WLeeWarrenMD.com slash prayer, WLeeWarrenMD.com slash prayer, and go to my website and sign up for the newsletter, Self Brain Surgery, every Sunday since 2014, helping people in all 50 states and 60-plus countries around the world. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'll talk to you soon. Remember, friend, you can't change your life. 
until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. 